Morning. The second reading this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and it's from verses 13 chapter 4 to chapter 5 verse 11 and this is the reading that uh, Rick will be preaching on today too. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him, sorry, asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the help of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Here ends the reading. Thanks, Pippa and Alex. Please keep your Bibles open there at that passage in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to continue to reflect on that part of God's word together now. But as we begin, it's appropriate that we pray, so please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have just spoken to us as we have heard your your word read, and we ask now that we will continue to have an ear that is ready to hear your word to us as we reflect more on this part of your word together. Father, give us open ears and ready hearts to hear the encouragements that you would have us hear, to hear the commands that you would have us hear, to hear the promises that you would have us hear. And we pray, Father, that this will enable us to encourage each other and to build each other up. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Until quite recently my family had been waiting for the big day. We had it marked in our calendar. We were counting down the days. We were getting ready. We were getting prepared. 
We were getting excited. And then finally, the big day came. I'm talking about the arrival of the latest member of our family, our new dog, Harley. Cute, isn't he? I had to get him up there somehow. That was the big day, and we were waiting for it, and we were getting ready for it, and then finally it came, and it didn't disappoint. Although normally when we talk about the big day, we mean something else, don't we? We mean the wedding day. Just ask any bride or groom-to-be, when's the big day? And they'll have no hesitation in being able to answer you, will they? They'll be able to tell you how many days and likely how many hours and minutes there are left until the big day. And leading up to that day, all the energy, all the focus, all the preparations will be focusing on that particular day because the big day is coming. That's the big day. But there is actually another big day that is coming for every single one of us. The biggest day, in fact. And that's what we are going to be talking about today. And I want to suggest that this day is actually of extraordinary significance. Although I suspect that it's something that Christians think about far less than its significance deserves. I'm talking about the day that Jesus returns. This passage calls it the day of the Lord. That is the big day. And in fact, we pray about it every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. When we say, your kingdom come, we are praying for that big day to come. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And as we look at this passage and hear about the day of the Lord, there are two things in particular that this passage wants us to to know and to notice about the day of the Lord. And they are that we should be encouraged and that we should be prepared, be encouraged and be prepared. Or more specifically, we should be encouraged in the face of death and we should live like people who are prepared for that great day. So let's have a look at the first part of this passage. And the first thing that we're going to see, as I said, is that we should be encouraged. And you see at the very end of chapter 4, Paul says, therefore be encouraged with these words. And as I said, particularly his concern to encourage them is when we are grieving the death of our fellow believers. Have a look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13 of chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I guess you could say it's an occupational hazard of mine that I've probably been to more funerals than most people my age. And it seems to me that as I go to funerals, it's almost a natural human instinct that we want to encourage and comfort each other in the grief of loss. Almost every funeral I've been to, that's what we do. We grieve and we comfort each other. And it's entirely natural and right that we do. We feel the wrongness of death and so we grieve and we do want to encourage each other. We, we cry together, we share memories together, even just being together can be a comfort. But for these Thessalonian Christians that Paul is writing to here, he wants to give them something else to comfort them. 
He doesn't want to just comfort them with a shoulder to cry on. He wants to comfort them with knowledge. He wants to correct their misunderstanding so that they are not uninformed about those who sleep in death, he says. And the knowledge that he wants to comfort them about is the resurrection of the dead. Have a look at verse 14. It almost sounds like an early Christian creed, this verse. Look at verse 14. He begins, We believe that Jesus died and rose again. This is absolutely fundamental to the Christian message. Jesus died and rose again. And I suspect that it's the next part of that verse that Paul particularly wants to encourage these believers with. That because Jesus died and rose again, so we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Those who have died trusting Jesus, it's like they're just asleep because it's only temporary. They will wake again one day. Jesus will raise them to life and that will happen on the day that he returns. You can see it there down in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. On that day of the Lord, on that day that Jesus returns, it will be a day of resurrection. The dead will rise. And because it's a day of resurrection, it will also be a day of reunion. I think the the great sadness of death is that it separates us from those we love. But the words of comfort and encouragement that Paul wants to share with the Thessalonians and with us is that death is not the end of the story. That for those who trust in Jesus, we will be united again. Verse 17 says that whether we are dead or alive on that day that Jesus returns actually doesn't matter because he will raise the dead. We will be together again and we will be with the Lord forever. And it's at this point that Christian grief in death is different. We grieve, but as it says in verse 13, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. At funerals, I often see people searching for hope, grasping for some kind of hope, but sadly, too often, they're really just grasping at straws because they're looking for hope in the wrong places. And so they're they're just trying to grasp for whatever kind of hope they can and trying to encourage and comfort each other with the kind of empty hope that Disney movies tell us to hope in, like... She is smiling down on us from above, or he lives on in our hearts. We need hope, but we need a real hope, a hope that won't slip through our fingers and and disappoint us. And for those of us who are looking forward to the return of Jesus and to the resurrection of the dead, we have that hope. And so Christian funerals are actually quite different in really a a kind of weird and strange way, to be honest. In some ways, they're no different to other kinds of funerals. We still grieve. It's not that we're less sad at all. But the difference is that our grief 
is seasoned with hope. And so you get almost this bizarre combination of real grief alongside real hope and even the joy that can come from that hope. And that is a hope that we can have now. We don't just wait for the times that we are grieving from the death of a loved one. We have that hope now and we can rest in that that hope now. We know that nothing in the end can separate us from each other or from Jesus because Jesus has removed every obstacle up to and including death and so nothing can stand in the way. Nothing can stop us from being there on that great day and from being together on that great day. And if you trust in Jesus, then I hope you know this hope. I hope you are encouraged by this hope. Jesus will return. He will raise the dead. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's the first thing that we need to know about the day of the Lord The second thing that we hear in the second section from chapter 5 is the day of the Lord is coming, therefore be prepared. Or really, he's saying you are prepared, so live like you are. And he starts by talking about the timing of the day of the Lord, as you can see in chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. As I said, you ask any bride or groom about when the big day is coming and they'll have no hesitation in being able to tell you exactly the date. And Paul says to these Thessalonians, we have no need to tell you about the date. But that's not because he's told them already. That's not because they have it marked in their calendar already. He doesn't need to tell them about the time or the date because they know that no one knows the time or the date. Have a look at verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That day when Jesus returns will be as surprising as a thief in the night. Now, as far as I know, most thieves don't leave a calling card in advance to prepare you for when they're coming. Like a little business card that says, by the way, I'm going to stop by your house this weekend sometime between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Please kindly leave your doors unlocked and your valuables where I can find them. Sincerely, a thief. Doesn't happen, does it? We don't know when a thief will come. That's why we have locks on our doors. That's why we have insurance. We need to be prepared for them to come at any time. And it's the same with the return of Jesus. We don't know when he will come, but we do know that he will come suddenly and when no one is expecting, like a thief in the night. And so the message is, you'd better be prepared for that day. As much as it will be a good day, it will be the beginning of God's new creation, it will be the resurrection of the dead, it will be a good day, but it will also be a day of terrible destruction when God brings his judgment on this world that has turned its back on him. And that is not a day that we want to be unprepared for. But Paul's good news for the Thessalonians is that they are prepared already. Have a look at verse 4 and 5. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. 
You are all children of the day, children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. They are prepared for the day of Jesus' return because they live in the daytime. Thieves generally are able to surprise people because they come under the cover of darkness at night and when we are sleeping so that no one sees them. But you can't really be surprised by a thief, can you, if it's the middle of the day and you're standing in the kitchen waiting for them. The Thessalonians were living in constant daylight. They had moved from darkness to light when they turned to God. Remember that from chapter 1, they turned to God, they put their trust in Jesus, and so that day will not catch them off guard. They are ready and waiting. So what about you? Are you ready? No one knows the day that Jesus will return. If anyone claims that they know, that's a surefire way to tell that they are lying. People have claimed over the years and they've always been wrong. We do not know the day. But we can be ready. Are you ready for that day? If you know that you are not ready, then this is the only thing that matters. On the day that Jesus returns, will you be found standing in the light, eagerly waiting for his coming? Or will you be found trying to hide from God in the darkness, thinking that he can't see you, but surprised and unprepared when he comes? Don't let that be you. Now is the time to get ready. Now is the time to step into the light. And if you are watching at home and you know that this is you, that you are not ready, then I would love to help you and to talk about that. You can contact us, as I said, on the contact button on our website. We would love to talk to you. On the other hand, though, if you have turned to God, if you have put your trust in Jesus, then here what Paul said to the Thessalonians. That day will not catch you by surprise because you are ready. You are prepared. There is nothing more to do. And that is a wonderful thing to know. Everything has been done and so you are ready. But the message for you is live like it. You are ready so live like someone who is ready. Let me read again from the end of verse 5 down to verse 8. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Don't live like you're still in the darkness, he's saying. You are prepared, you are waiting for that day, so live like someone who is waiting. It really is a tragedy when God's people live as if we are no different to the people around us like people who live as if that day will never come. They think that day will never happen. They're like the guy who is so confident that the thief will never come 
that he's asleep and drunk with the door open, waiting for the thief to to rob his house. How could we be like that? How could we not be different to them? We know that the day is coming. We are ready for it, and that should change the way that we live now. Live like you are ready and waiting for that day. Perhaps you could just imagine with me for a moment. It's the day that Jesus comes. On that day, what would you want to be found doing? What would you want to be doing on that day? Or what would you want to be not doing on that day? I wonder if you can think of some things that you would like to be not doing on the day that Jesus returns or some things that you would want to be doing in that moment. That's what this is saying to us. Don't be doing the things now that you wouldn't want to be doing on the day that Jesus returns. And on the other hand, positively, do be doing the things now that you want to be found doing on the day that Jesus returns. That's a fairly simple test, right? Is this, whatever it is that I'm thinking of doing today, is this what I would want to be doing in the moment that Jesus returns? But this is not just talking about living with your head in the clouds, kind of disconnected from the reality of life because I'm, I'm dreaming about the return of Jesus. No, it's talking about living lives that are grounded in this life in the way that God wants us to live. In fact, he tells us in verse 8 what that looks like. And it's the very thing that we heard from back in chapter 1. Lives that are shaped by faith and love and hope. On that day that Jesus returns, I want to be loving the people around me in whatever ways that I can. On that day, I want to be trusting God in the big things and also the little things that are happening in my life on that day with the kind of trust that makes a difference in the choices that I make, in the things that I do. On that day, I want to be living with the confidence of knowing that my future is secure because I know that Jesus died for me. Those are the things that I would love to be doing on that day that Jesus returns. And if I want to be doing them on that day, then I should be doing them today as well and tomorrow, and the next day, and every day until he comes, or until I sleep in death and am waiting for that glorious day of resurrection. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know because you have promised that there is a day coming when Jesus will return, and we ask that you will help us to be prepared for that day and to not think that that day is coming. We acknowledge, Father, that even though we know, many of us know that day is coming, we still often live as if it will not, as if the world will keep on going as it always has forever. So, Father, help us to live now with a consciousness of that day. Help us to live now as people who are ready and prepared for that day. And Father, we ask that you will help us to both encourage and build each other up in this knowledge. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.